Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Dr. John Jacobs on the line. John, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? I am awesome. Looking forward to this conversation. And even in the pre-show, we, we talked about some things. And I think this is going to be one of those episodes that people are going to go back and listen to again and again, because your story is awesome. The stuff that you do is great. But you know, when we dive into the conversation, we're going to talk about how damn hard it is to be an entrepreneur and how to launch something that, quite frankly, doesn't exist or hasn't existed before. So I want to share a little bit about you with the audience, and then we'll dive right in. Well, uh, let's see. I'm a doctor of biomedical engineering. Um, the start of the story, how I got started in life sciences, I had finished undergrad in my MBA, and I was doing uh, enterprise software sales. And uh, let's see, my mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis, and I read about osteoporosis, and um, I had always had an interest in, in medicine and physical performance. I, I played division one rugby. Uh, so now while I was working out and that whole background, I, I realized most of the stuff in the fitness industry was just absolute bullshit, like wrong information given to the wrong people, you know, like just some basic examples. Um, there's morons out there that say you need carbohydrates to grow muscle. Absolutely false. Carbohydrates play no role in muscle protein synthesis or protein synthesis at all ever in the human body. They're completely not required. Uh, and like people, now I get death threats for saying that. Seriously. Uh, yeah, it's just guys who just want their Twinkies. You know, and it's like, okay, go ahead and eat your Twinkies. I'm not going to try and make them illegal, but I'm just saying you don't want them. So, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, kind of those things. So I had all this bad information that I knew was bad and, you know, I didn't really do anything about it. My mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis. I decided I was going to go a different road. She was afraid of taking the medications because there's some pretty serious side effects. <clears throat> I didn't blame her. I developed a series of medical devices that are now called OsteoStrong devices. And you can find those in the OsteoStrong clinics. There's 160 of them in 10 different countries around the world now. So, but when I developed it, it was just for my mother. And the idea was we compress bone. So like, this is the axis of a bone. We're going to compress it this way and then along, along its axis. And then as it springs back into position, it's going to be stimulated to pull in minerals and recalcify. That's the same way we build bone as kids high impact. So it was the benefit of high impact without the risk. Now, as I <clears throat> prototyped this device and put it in the first clinical trial, I realized that placing load on the body and how the body is optimized to receive force <clears throat> in an impact ready position and so profoundly not prepared to receive force in other positions. So what I realized is we're seven times stronger at extension than we are when joints are, are bent in a, in a weaker range of motion. So now everybody knows we have a stronger and weaker range. Nobody knew what the magnitude of maximum force output was. 
that hadn't been studied yet. So when I published this, some of the, uh, some of the physicians at the hospital we were, we were doing this at were like, God, we're putting tremendous forces through our lower extremities. What do people normally work their legs with? Well, it turned out it was, uh, you start off exercising, you're usually about 1.3 multiples of body weight you can load your lower limbs with. And then advanced is 1.53. So people don't gain very much strength, but yeah. Kind of if you look at the typical gym goer, the typical gym goer doesn't really look a whole lot different than the typical person you find at round table pizza because most people make no progress at all whatsoever, or they just do in the first couple of weeks they start exercising and then that tapers off and goes away. So now all of a sudden I started to understand like, wow, like if we have seven full different capacities, depending on our positioning, weightlifting is awful as a stimulus. So I wrote the book, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. And uh, <coughs> sorry, I got a mold allergy problem. Uh, we have, uh, it's really kind of damp in Northern California right now um, and cold. But then, you know, people turn the heater on in the building and then mold grows. Um, so having made these observations, I realized I need to come up with a solution <coughs> so that we could deliver force appropriately in different positions. So like I'll hold X here and maybe five X here and I'll do slow and controlled repetitions until I can no longer do them. But then I diminish the range. So I end up fatiguing the entire muscle to the absolute maximum, which is a much more powerful stimulus than regular weightlifting, thereby stimulating I, I used to say like triple the growth because there was a study that said that, but it's really like infinitely greater growth because most people don't grow at all from lifting weights. You know, there's, there's the, the odd athlete who's a genetic outlier. And then there's people who take performance enhancing drugs, but even most people who take performance enhancing drugs, 6.6% of males in the United States over the age of 18 have taken or are taking performance enhancing drugs are six, six and a half percent of the people that you see super fit and look like bodybuilders, not even close. Maybe one out of 6,000 or probably more like one out of 60,000 people are actually in that kind of condition. So even the drugs aren't delivering what people think and, uh, and they're not, not safe anyway. So I tell people don't bother with it. And it's, be it's because the training is just wrong. And you know, science has known about how wrong the training is. Here, here's an example. People think cardiovascular exercise is great for weight loss. It's probably the worst thing for weight loss because you're showing your body you want to be an endurance machine. So it tries to get more things done with less fuel. So cortisol is upregulated every time you do cardio. And you have, if you get benefit out of cardio, you have to do it on a regular basis. This chronically elevates cortisol. Cortisol does two things. It gets rid of muscle and it keeps you as fat as possible, as long as possible because it's a storage system for fuel. That's what fat is. So you're encouraging your body to give you the exact opposite of what you want when you do cardiovascular exercise. 40 years of research show this. Yet that's not where the fitness industry has ever gone. And why would they? 
because they sell access to equipment that is not going to give people results, but it's what they think they want. So what do they care? They're not there for results. They're there to collect membership fees. Yeah. And that's, you know, and we see it every January, you know, and where everybody <laughs> signs up for their memberships. And by Valentine's <clears throat> Day, maybe a week after, you know, the, the gym is back to what it normally is. And, you know, they've got people signed up and a lot of people forget to cancel their memberships, especially if it was a low price. And they just don't even bother. And, and, and of course, you know, those people not only are not doing anything, but they're also, you know, losing money as well. And, it's I, I see it in a lot of different sectors, you know, healthcare specifically, and, and you know this, you know, there's so many things that are prescribed and, and kudos to your mom and you for not wanting to take those medications that had, you know, the laundry list of side effects. It's like, you know, I'd rather deal with the osteo than deal with, you know, the side effects of massive this or, you know, extreme this. And, you know, every commercial you see is like, okay, here's what this medication does. And then 45 seconds later of, you know, everything, it's going to make your life absolutely miserable. I'm like, wow, yeah, I'm going to rush to my doctor's office right now and say, I need that. No. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a There's a great ad that was out there about 10 years ago that when it was for toenail fungus. It was a pill you're supposed to take to treat toenail fungus. And among side effects were like sudden death. It's like, I think I'd just rather have toenail fungus. Yeah, sign me up. I want sudden death. At least my toes will be, well, you know, the toes won't be because then they start deteriorating even more because usually yeah. after we die, our body tends to yeah, disintegrate. Uh, yeah, disintegrate. The toes, yeah, who cares what the toes look like? Uh, usually that part of the casket is closed anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing what we see. But yeah, with all the, you know, the studies and things like that, and like you said, you, you know, like with gyms and all mm-hmm. that, there there's no interest. But what I find amazing is, you know, the type of work that you highlight in your book and, and all that stuff for people to actually get, you know, mm-hmm. the the weight loss or to get in better shape or whatever the case may be is so simple. And I, that's one of the things I see, in, again, in a lot of things, we overcomplicate things and we say, okay, this is all the things you got to do in order to do this. It's like, no, actually, you know what? You just do these things, you're going to get better results. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason, I think our society has conditioned us to think we have to do it the hard way. And like, and no, we don't have to do things the hard way. Look, look for the easy, simplistic steps that can be. Yeah, there's there's a little there's a little bit of that. I, I think um, I think also when you've been told your whole life, like strength training will make you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then cardio will make you lean. You know, that you hurt your ear long enough. Like Frederick Goebbels said, uh, you say a lie a thousand times, it becomes the truth. Um, you know, and I think Anthony Fauci is trying to prove that true again. But uh, yeah, it, it's um, you're conditioned to believe something. But then my question is, and this is sort of the thrust of the book. It's like, if that standard approach is so great, why isn't everybody fit? Like, where are all these super fit people? Well, they're nowhere. What, why is it that everybody I know that's in relatively decent shape has like a supplement advertising contract? Like, the majority of males should have visible abdominals. That's the way it is. We're, you know, food is addictive. Mm-hmm. It's designed to be addictive, packaged foods. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and, and um, we have the wrong principles uh, that we follow. Like um, somebody said to me the other day, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. I wanted to like punch this guy. Like, you idiot. Like, what do you think is in an apple? Like fructose? That'll make it fat. Other than that, a couple vitamins you don't need. Like, if somebody hands me an apple, I'll just throw it out the window. I'm not going to eat an apple. Like, there's nothing there. Um, just, just nonsensical things. And, and actually, I, I kind of feel like, like a little bit, maybe this is what you're talking about. Maybe it's the opposite of what you're talking about. But one of the problems I see, which is real big, is people want to simplify their understanding to like a meme, like a sentence fragment, you know, like two words, like, oh, you want to lose weight, calorie restriction. Okay, that's about one-tenth of the story. And if you believe it's that simple, people have been trying to eat less and move more for uh, 75 years, and it's completely failed. Like, like, it doesn't say anything about how do you reduce your appetite? Because eating less and moving more is a lot easier when you're not daydreaming about pizza because you're still carb addicted. Um, <clears throat> you haven't done any of the things to sort of set yourself up for success. You're just miserable, which is why even some athletes, they might diet down for like a photo shoot or something like that. But they're like closet eaters. They just can't wait to, you know, eat it all again. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Um, probably the hardest thing we talked about this in the in the pre-show is I ended up launching two things that have never been seen by the world before, <clears throat> and um, you know, like there's there's entrepreneurs out there who start a business. It's understandable, you know, they're making cookies or sweat socks or something, and you know, nobody calls those guys that say, what's a sock? People know what that is. But when it came to the osteoporosis treatment devices, like I had to put together uh, the argument presented to physicians so they would start referring their patients. That was difficult because they're very discriminatory. And also they're accustomed to seeing pharma trials which can have hundreds of thousands of people. Well, no physical medicine intervention can afford to do that. <coughs> but uh, part of the problem there is that when it comes to pharmaceutical, we're testing a chemical that's not found in nature. When it comes to something that's physical medicine, you're triggering the body to fix itself. So there shouldn't be as much safety concern when the body is doing to itself the intervention in question. So like typically we don't have like self-destruct systems in the body. Like our own processes won't kill us. Uh, the, so that, that was a challenge and it was difficult to be able to get physicians a short enough message, which was still accurate because like, like you want to simplify it, but you, it, oversimplification is another word for wrong. And physicians smell that. You know, they don't, you don't do that. You don't, you don't oversimplify. <clears throat> so once I got that messaging right, uh, physicians just started to prescribe it and it became 
outrageously successful. Then my next idea, based on the observations I had made, was to develop a fitness device, which, you know, like, like it's discussed in, in this book and all the principles as to why you wouldn't want to lift weights and how there is a better way with variable resistance. So I build X3, the variable resistance product. And uh, yeah, sure, there were people who wanted to argue with me. They were like, no, no, there's no way that can work. Um, I realized all of a sudden that it was just so different because physicians, when you present science to them, they'll say, oh, okay, like this is fantastic. I get it. You make a scientific presentation to the typical person in like fitness and they don't know if you're telling the truth or not. They can't tell because they don't understand research. They don't understand how to research, how to read research. They don't understand statistical tests. <clears throat> so that was a little more challenging. So what, what we did is we launched and aimed at fitness people. And then immediately like stopped all those advertisements and pivoted towards busy professionals because busy professionals are smarter and they'll actually read the science and they're the ones who went out and bought the book. Uh, so that, that's, re that's really the market and sort of like the, the biohacker community, <clears throat> people who want to be able to look like a professional athlete, but want to work out at home and want a, a piece of gym equipment that goes into a drawer instead of takes their garage or their, uh, you know, spare bedroom. So th those are all the, you know, the problems that the product solved. But it's very interesting because I brought two things to market that the world had never seen before. And man, there were some challenges. Well, obviously too, and you, and you recognize that, you know, changing the direction of where you were marketing to the busy professional was you know a, a stroke of genius because you, know, you recognize okay these people are going to get it yeah i'm not going to be going in this uphill battle arguing with people that aren't comprehending and even though you're like here's the results here's what we've seen and right. sometimes that just flies right over their head where the busy professional is going to go okay i understand that that's good mm -hmm. it doesn't take up a lot of space i can do it in the time that I can allocate right now to do this, I'm going to see the results that I want to see, which of course has a positive ripple effect on every other aspect of them. Because when you are in good physical health, all the other parts of your body, including your brain and awareness and cognitive mm -hmm. ability and all of those things improve, which makes them better professionals, sees better opportunities for personal and professional growth. So it's, as I hammer home into my conversations that I have on the shows, people, we are connected. I mean, we are really connected. There's a lot of things going on in these things that we call our body. And the sooner you can figure out how to connect all the dots within your body and how to feel better, be optimal, healthy, and all of that, mm -hmm. it's going to pay dividends for you. And not just from a health standpoint, but a wealth standpoint, because you're going to be able to be more creative and see better things, more, more business energy. opportunities, yeah. more energy. You don't need to do that two o'clock run to get the energy drink or whatever. You're going to mm -hmm. have it because you've figured out how to optimize you. And when you do that, sky's the limit on what you can do. That's right. So what's your favorite part of your book? 
And well, obviously, I mean, it's like asking, you know, if, if you have children, you know, who's your favorite kid? It's a lot of dudes. I don't, I don't have one. I don't, you know, so you're not publicly, you don't really want to say it. Maybe privately, you don't want to, but, uh, you know, in, in the book and in, in, in the stuff that you've created and all of that, you know, what are you most proud of? You know, and I always like asking entrepreneurs that have launched great things, you know, what, you know, what are you really thrilled about? So, Scattered throughout the book, there's a lot of talk about like how the Miami Heat uses the product. Like they gave up on weight training. They just use X3, just just variable resistance, no weights. That was big. Like that, you know, an entire team. Now I have about 40 other individual athletes that have grabbed hold of X3 and <clears throat> and do it, but they don't have their whole team doing it. Because a lot of athletes have the opportunity to say, I'm gonna do my strength training on my own. And then go in for drills. Uh, when you're a basketball player, you still got to <laughs> practice shooting and blocking and everything. So uh, <clears throat> the, the athletes added a lot of credibility for those people who really didn't understand the science. And there are some people who think science is not everything in fitness. That's kind of tragic but kind of understandable and i'll tell you why so a lot of studies are done on just kind of regular people or like you don't you don't see them i mean this is it's superficial and stupid but people want to know if this worked for a pro athlete who's already highly developed then it'll work for them uh that's actually kind of sound logic now, some studies are done on like professional rugby teams. Like this uh, one I reference all the time. One was a college football team, pro rugby team. Um, <clears throat> a couple studies on uh, like, uh, Cornell basketball. Um, like those are great, but also remember people aren't reading them. So when they see that pro athletes are using the product and most of them exclusively other than drills that are specific for their sport, that really helps. Um, other thing I did in the book, which has never really been done well in a book designed for consumers. I've read it in a few textbooks, <clears throat> but I mean, like who buys a physiology textbook unless you're taking a physiology class, you don't. So talk about what the limitations are. Why do people fail when they lift? It's not because they don't have enough testosterone. Um, a, Maybe 30% of the time it's because they're, they're just not getting the nutrients. So they think they're eating a lot. Also, there's a stupid rumor out there that's like calories will grow muscle. No, grams of protein will grow muscle. Calories of fat will not grow muscle, though you need them. Calories of carbohydrates won't do anything. Carbohydrates are there to make you fat. Uh, they can also replenish muscle glycogen. But that is very specific. And we do use carbohydrates in that manner. But other than that, like the whole, like you need carbs to grow. No, you don't. Uh, so, and there's so much research on it. It's, it's uh, kind of ridiculous that, that we're trying to keep pushing that. But of course, we are continuing to push it as a society because carbohydrates are cheap. Government likes people eating cheap food. Because all of a sudden, <clears throat> the government has to step in and feed a bunch of people. It does not want to buy them steaks. It wants to buy them cereal. Yeah. So the contents of a bowl, 
cost of manufacturing, a couple pennies versus $10, you know? So pretty easy decision from their perspective, but <coughs> facilitating nutritional dishonesty in that effort, I think is criminal. And uh, we do we do see that quite a bit. Um, a lot of journals kind of let it go by when Nabisco funds a study that says you should be eating seven servings of carbohydrates and you know, one of animal protein. Uh, it should be the other way around. But you know they they get away with it, and uh, you know now we even have talk uh, Congress talking about forcing everybody to go vegan, making meat illegal or putting huge taxes on meat. But that's the most nutritious thing we eat. And there are no links to cancer or anything like that. I, <clears throat> there have been some that didn't remove some of the other variables, like, like when they don't screen for like who uses hard drugs and who's an alcoholic. <clears throat> there was a study about uh, colorectal cancer and it showed a 2% increase. This is a very famous study. 2% increase in your chances of getting colorectal cancer by, by eating what they, in the title, meat. But if you read the description, it's nitrate meat, which is mostly illegal now. Um, so nitrates are a preservative. And not only, were, <laughs> not only were people eating nitrate meat, they were eating it every day for 40 years. So this is like a gas station hot dog. So you found a thousand people, this is, test group was a thousand. <clears throat> you found a thousand people that ate a gas station hot dog every day for 40 years. Did they make that decision because of their health? Probably not. Do they make other decisions because of their health? Probably none. Are they more likely to smoke cigarettes? Probably. Study didn't control for that. Are they more likely to excessively consume alcohol? Way more likely. Study didn't control for that. Are they more likely to do hard drugs and get you know, minimal nominal amounts of sleep? Probably. But the study didn't control for that. So you sort of take a terrible behavior of a person who's voluntarily irresponsible and then don't control for any other variable. Awful study. So... Yeah, that's the thing. It's like everything that we see, you know, the studies and all the news reports and all of that. It's like they don't go deep enough and, and they don't test everything and weed out things that would have a direct impact on it. And then unfortunately, the masses buy into that and they think, OK, that's that's the situation. And it's frustrating as hell, for sure. So, John, love this conversation. Could talk to you for hours on this. Uh, yeah. But uh, but uh, where can people find out more about you, the book uh, and everything so, else you're doing? My last name's kind of hard to spell. So uh, I got a landing page that's a lot easier. It's drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J-A.com. That links to everything. Uh, I put most of my content, I put absolute majority on uh, Instagram. I just like the platform. So um, you're going to follow me one place, follow me there. Uh, but uh, we also have a Facebook forum and you can find links to uh, the Bone Density product, OsteoStrong, X3, so it says superior uh, muscle growth and then superior nutrition. Uh, and that that has to do with kind of my style of eating. I take one supplement also. 
just one. So, you know, it's like, I, I find that pretty easy to follow when you need to take one thing. Yeah. When you don't need the pill dispenser of all the different vitamins and stuff, because you're not eating right. And you're thinking that's going <laughs> to, yeah, uh, it saves you a lot of effort. So awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So John, thank you again for, for all the work you're doing uh, to make people healthier the right way and not the way that uh, society seems to be shoving down our throats. So really appreciate you. And, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Michael. See you soon. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.